Hey, think you know which way it's going to go? Make your bet at Sports Interaction, whatever your sport. Sports Interaction has you covered pregame. Live betting on all major sports and, of course, prop bets. Who doesn't love those? Want to bet? Head to sportsinteraction.com slash SDPN. 19 plus. Please play responsibly. Welcome to Nailing the Apex. I'm Tim Rainey. Joining me today to go over the Bahrain Grand Prix staff writer for Formula One, Samarth Canal. Samarth, how are you, dude? This is the second time I've tried to do this recording, by the way. <laughs> I'm good, man. It, we were just having a, a post Bahrain giggle. That's what happened. <laughs> I think F1 turns everyone a bit loopy. Uh, oh, man. Is, it's early for you, though, anyway. So, I, you know, it I don't is. blame you. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you were down at testing, preseason testing. So, so how was it? I, I wanted to go this year, but yeah, I never got the opportunity. How, how did you enjoy it? Well, it's so funny about testing. So many people say, so many people complain that it's boring, and <laughs> uh, yeah, but it is boring. I mean, it's not like you go and watch like a football team train or a soccer team, as one would say. Uh, you don't go watch them train and then go, oh, well, this is this is really dull. They're just running around in circles. So I mean, it's the same thing, isn't it? It's it's and that it, that is literally it. If if no, if you haven't been to F1 testing, if you haven't paid attention to it, it is eight hours of cars just going around, and that's fine. And that's but that was also, literally it. <laughs> you also get like a little bit more access though. Too, I will. I, I yeah. mean, I did. So when I went, so I did uh, 2017. Went to testing in uh, Spain. And, like, we got really great access there. I, I don't know what it was like in, in Bahrain, but I know when, when we went to Spain, it was great. Like, we had a ton of access. Spain was really cool. I, I must yeah. have been there as well, actually. Like, was that when Alonso lost? Wait, was he there? No, he, he was. The... So this was uh, Stroll's first year at uh, uh, Williams. That's when oh, that was. Well, Alonso was still in Formula One. He was yeah. still with. Was he at um, Yes. Oh, yeah, yeah, he was okay. still there I do that year. That vividly, yeah, that was when everything but, was kind of the wheels were coming off. I think. Oh yeah, I think. When did he have? Because he had. He did. Yeah, because Alonso did have. Alonso did have something happen to him in testing. It was years before that, though. I think it was like 2015 or something. He had had. He had had like a crash or something in and around turn uh, two three area or something like that. It's weird. It was the it was final corner. Crash. He's had a couple. It was the final corner. His wheel fell off. It was McLaren. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and me and my mate, my, my colleague at the time, was standing on top of the garage looking down. He was a photographer, and he's got, you know, you know what photographers are like, totally different breed to us. And he noticed Alonso holding the wheel nut and took a photo of it and literally zoomed in, like, right on top of Alonso. And then in the press conference later, it was like, Alonso was like, I know one of you took a picture of that. I don't know how. And I was like, that guy is good. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Fernando Alonso finishing third in uh, in the Bahrain Grand Prix on Sunday, I mean, did you see that? I mean, obviously, like Leclerc going out with what is believed to be a power unit issue. Um, did you see this one coming? Because you know, I the, the car looked good in testing. I mean, they looked great in qualifying, but I wasn't too sure what they were going to be like on their. Uh, race pace like i knew they had good long run pace but just wasn't too sure if they could at least battle with a ferrari yeah and to see science struggling at the end that was just i mean is it a degradation problem i know bahrain's a, a high deg circuit so maybe that's why science was struggling at the end um but alonso genuinely looks second fastest on pace no doubt anymore and at the start of the season i did not see that coming i would have put 
Aston Martin fifth, and even that's a big jump in Formula One. Do you remember a team coming from seventh to second fastest? Leclerc was second fastest before the engine issue. Um, that's weird, though. They replaced a couple of his engine components before the race, and then it still it still went wrong. So let's find out if something comes from that. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, uh, just to stick with Alonso, then we, we can jump to, to jump to Ferrari because I just think you know Alonso. I think Alonso is yeah. yeah, it's it's a big story, but it's like. I always found that, like, whenever Fernando's doing well, I mean, that's good for Formula One. <laughs> I mean, we've been waiting for it for years, right? Qatar yeah. 2021 was his last, and that, it was so good to see him on the podium there. And then finally, also, finally, he's made a career move that's actually worked out. <laughs> I mean, no offense to him, but I think one could say that Fernando Alonso has not had the best career moves. It's not quite Damon Hill to Arrows, but it's. I mean, he's he's had some shockers. So, <laughs> Damon Hill to arrows. You yeah. actually went there, eh? <laughs> yeah, sorry. Yeah, well, it's early for you. you. I've been up it. for hours. I've been up. Yeah, for yeah. Hours, yeah. <laughs> That's true. True. Um, some interesting interesting things with the Aston Martin, though. I mean, uh, you know, I think one of the things that looks really good for them is is obviously, like you had said, uh, with the Ferrari, is not too good for them is is tire deg and. You know, if you look at the way they were in races last season, I mean, Aston Martin was always pretty handy when it came to the came to the races last season. But I mean, obviously, it was once they got into you know qualifying and all of that that they were <laughs> further into the back. But now, I mean, that the 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 step that they've taken, I mean, they were this time last year, I believe it was around they were seventeenth, nineteenth, I think, qualifying, and that was about two. They were just over 2.2 seconds off of pole uh, last year, and now all of a sudden they're around six tenths. I mean, that's a you know, like you like you're saying, you know, to go from seventh fastest team in the constructor standings and now all the way up to now second, I guess, it uh, is that that's a massive massive jump. You have to wonder uh, how much Dan Fallows and Eric Blandin and you know all of their knowledge. You know they've they've brought over from their respected teams of their old respected teams and Red Bull and Mercedes. You know what? Uh, what do you think? I mean, I've never seen a turnaround like you had said that happened that fast for for a race team. I mean, the the the, the job that those two guys, that whole team, has done is incredible. Christian Horner was. I think all of the Red Bull guys have been quite pointed in saying, and they've been pretty open about it, in saying that that Aston Martin has taken bits from the Red Bull. But let's not forget, this is Formula One. Literally every car has taken other bits from every other car. I mean, when the double diffuser came in, it spawned on every other car, right? So they are saying that. But the Aston looks like a funny car in some ways. I've not seen side pods like that. It has, I mean, if you can look it up, there's like little cuts in the side pod. It's a really odd car. But what you said, they have made amazing technical hires. You know, it's clear that Dan Fallows is a, a seriously good, you know, technician. And Adrian Newey built a team at Red Bull that I think other people have been looking at for a while. I think I uh, read a quote somewhere that Helmut Marko had spoken to the German the German media just before the start of the race. And I'm paraphrasing this. It, it said something similar to like, it looks like Dan didn't forget what he had learned at Red Bull or something like that. In the post-race press conference, Sergio Perez said it's good to see three Red Bull drivers on the podium. I mean, it's just, they're not even hiding. They're, they're, 
it's so cheeky, man. But I love it. I mean, Formula One's about innovation, and it, to be honest, you should copy the best, right? Absolutely. But I'm not saying they have. I, I mean, I, I think the car looks quite unique. I think they've taken good bits from um, a lot of people. The other interesting thing was Alonso in the press conference actually was like, "This is the only team that wants to win." Yeah. He was so bullish about that. Yeah. Um, and I think you know, fair fair play. Aston Martin have picked a strategy that's given them massive gains. Why hasn't every other team done that? Yeah, it was interesting to hear uh, hear Fernando also. You know, having some you know cautious optimism i mean for him i remember paraphrasing again you know he's really curious to go to other circuits especially Jeddah and then obviously australia and to see if they're going to be as strong over the next two races and that should give them a better outlook on what 2023 is is going to look for them uh i mean i think like with a track like bahrain you I don't know, Smart. Like you have to, if you're going to be competitive there, I think you're going to have to be competitive everywhere else. I mean, given the track surface is different with all of these other tracks that they're going to go to, but in Bahrain's kind of that outlier where the surface is actually really rough. Still think they're going to be quick when they go to other places. Well, yeah. I mean, is Jeddah a lower de- Jeddah is a lower deck circuit, it so is, yeah. they should theoretically enjoy that a bit more. But then it's funny. Maybe Ferrari mm-hmm. will too, because it did look like science mm-hmm. really dropped off there. Mm-hmm. So, are we going to see a closer field in general? I really do hope so. Mm-hmm. Um, for Aston Martin, it looks if, you, as you said just now, actually, if you're good in Bahrain, that's an all-rounder circuit, right? Mm-hmm. Big long straight, horrible sector two. You know, it's <laughs> horrible. I'm saying turn ten is is a turn tricky. 10, yeah. How did Alonso pull that off? By the way, just <laughs> one of the passes. It's such a good overtake. It was um, interesting to, to you know yeah. it, to to your point there. It's interesting to hear him talk about that because you know the he was just comparing the Aston Martin to you know the Ferrari uh during that press conference and you know he he did make mention that Ferrari actually is still really fast in a straight line and he feels that they aren't as fast in a straight line but in some of the corners is where he was gaining all of the advantage and that's what allowed him to make some of the overtakes uh that he did which were impressive nonetheless uh in the radio comments as well, we're we're pretty good, right? <laughs> he was. I've never seen him so happy. Well, I have, yeah. but not for a while. Yeah. And uh, it was weird because you could see in turn four when he was coming up to science. So that was after he passed Hamilton. He almost rear-ended science at one point because he had such a good getaway from turn four, mm. which is a tough corner to actually have a good getaway on because the apex it just opens up so much after the apex. You want to get on the throttle, but you can't stamp on the throttle because you'll spin and go down the mm-hmm. hill. Alonso did a great job there, and that Aston Martin seemed on rails at the end of the race. It really was quick. Uh, Mike Crack had said uh, to us that there's a little bit of, uh, you know, they're, they're trying to be cautiously optimistic as, as much as they can, trying yeah. to keep uh, expectations in check. Uh, it was interesting to hear from him after the race of just how much he was trying to like you know just say look like we're look we're not sure where we're at we don't know where we're going to be in the next few races let's just keep our head on the ground keep working hard and we'll see what what happens i mean that's the team's not being very bullish about all of this are they i think it's a dangerous game isn't it i mean it, it, yeah. that's why no one in testing toots their horn too much yeah. Um, and, and as you said, we'll get a better idea. Maybe Jeddah, Australia, we'll start to see the real Aston Martin come out. And we'll see the real Red Bull come out. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah good, good point. Um, 
Ferrari, uh, I know I kind of wanted to j- jumping around a bit, but but for Ferrari, I mean, you know, coming into the start of this, they it it sounded like they had solved a lot of the reliability uh, PU issues that plagued them last season, but it you know looks as though there is another PU issue for Charles Leclerc. In the first race of the season, I mean, not really getting off to a, to a great start. And you had mentioned off the top there just how they did have to replace some components on the car. Like, I got that email from um, the FIA with with all the component changes, and I was just like, "Why?" Already? <laughs> yes. Like, so this is weird. You only get two of each of those, right? So energy store, and the other one was control electronics. So they've already taken one. So that's close to a penalty already. It seems. Hopefully, Leclerc doesn't need another one, right? Uh, it's painful. Um, but at this stage, things do go wrong. I mean, if we look back to last year, Red Bull had a double DNF, and they fixed it so quickly. I don't think... Well, Max Verstappen did have another DNF in a couple of races, but uh, I don't think that was engine-related. So things can turn around, and I think Ferrari have to have the faith that things will turn around. I was a bit. We were talking about the strategy before the race as well, by the way. And I, mm-hmm. I was just looking back, and I was wondering if there was a way that they could have put more pressure on, perhaps held Aston off, and they didn't. And yeah. I think with Perez and Verstappen managed to go on softs, that was their pay, that was that was the killer. Ferrari could not respond to that. Yeah, and it was uh, you know it's interesting just trying for Ferrari to keep a set of. Uh, new sauce, right? Not to use the that last set for for um, for Q three, and choosing to like hold on to a set. I mean, it didn't really do them any good. Like it gave, I mean, granted, like Leclerc had a great start, um, yeah, but he just wasn't he wasn't able to even hold on to to P two. I mean, the the tire dag I think on the Ferrari and for some of the other teams as well, it, it is quite high. That the Red Bull just seems so. Uh, strong like it's 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 interesting it's kind of like they've they started off building a car that and this is if we go back to last season it's like Red Bull started off building a car that was built for the race like in terms of tire degradation because you know Ferrari really struggled with that last season as well I remember I don't know if you were in Miami or not but I remember Miami like that that was huge for um, Charles Leclerc, like his tires just dropped off a cliff, and Max was able to catch him no problem, and eventually get by. Uh, and then obviously Ferrari had their other strategical issues as well on top of that. But that being said, I mean, it's just interesting to see how teams build these cars because I mean Ferrari still has it looks anyways like they still have some of that long run high tire dag issue and you have to wonder if it is this a part of and i don't know what you think about this like if this is if this is a part of um their car philosophy you know what i mean yeah because you carry over some characteristics that are like mm. intrinsic in the dna of a car and they have carried over last year's philosophy again it's hard because bahrain is such a high tire dag track that is worrying though to see signs mm-hmm. drop off in pace. Obviously, we didn't really get to see what Leclerc could have managed. I think he he was stone cold P three though. I um his pace was good. Mm-hmm. I haven't really looked and seen if Alonso could have caught him up, but Alonso made light work of science, and that's worrying. Again, yeah. Let's hope for maybe Jeddah will be and they have great straight line speed. Jeddah's going to suit them. You know, as a fast track. 
Yeah, big time. Um, let's move on. Talk about Max. I mean, obviously coming away with his 36th career Grand Prix win. Uh, he actually wasn't that happy uh, with the car <laughs> over over one over one lap. <laughs> How? What a weird day that was. Where we just saw all that testing promise. It didn't go away, but there was like a glimpse that, whoa, there's something wrong at Red Bull. Like the alarm bells were ringing and everyone was like, this isn't the same Red Bull we've seen. Now I don't know why that is. And I'm sure they're going to be looking into that. That was so weird. And it looked like Alonso was going to pip him. He only got like a fifth in the end as well, which is surprising. Um, but, you know, how Red Bull managed to just keep, they were like, on the limit there it looked it looked like someone was gonna go wrong there but um yeah they look like the real deal this year it's uh it's crazy the uh the gap i mean that like with max max broke the drs after one lap yeah he was like four seconds ahead in five laps it was it was crazy right i mean it yeah in last year i mean it took i would say probably would be about two maybe Three laps for a leader. Let's just say we'll we'll use Max towards the uh, back half of the season because he pretty much you know ran the table. Uh, took him at least a few laps to break the DRS, and now it's just he he had to had it done in in one lap, and that's over like uh, that's with like a Ferrari chasing with arguably better tires, and then also arguably better straight line speed. I mean, yeah, I'm wondering if part of that was because of the start though that Perez he didn't stall but he had a bit of a slow crawl away from the line and there was a bit of a three-way duel going into turn one there and I'm just wondering if that allowed Verstappen to just get away really clean I mean you can theoretically you could probably in one lap just get a, a one second advantage if three cars behind you are fighting so it looked like Perez's start actually helped Verstappen get away um, but for him to break, yeah, for him to break that DRS and have no threat for the rest of the race, there was a moment in the race where when Leclerc pulled off, there was a virtual safety car and Red Bull's pit crew came out. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's game over. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, um, but they didn't get fastest lap, which was weird. So no, not, that not maximum to, uh, points. I'm sure they're going to be really annoyed about that. <laughs> <laughs> that that honor went to uh, Zhou Guan Yu. Uh, coming away with the fastest lap of the race, which is uh, a little bit surprising, but I guess you know you empty the empty the tanks, uh, race yeah, mode he, on. He pitted the penultimate lap, stole that point away it, from Red Bull. I'm sure they're going to yeah. be furious about it. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the gap, like between, so Sergio Perez finished finished the second, but the 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 gap for qualifying actually between those two was surprisingly a lot closer than than what I thought. It was less than a tenth of a second, if I can recall correctly, um, delta between uh, Verstappen and Perez during qualifying. Uh, are you surprised by that? I mean, because obviously if we take a look at some of the pressure that's on Sergio coming into the season, I mean, they got Daniel, he's got Daniel Ricciardo breathing down his neck, obviously. He wants you know get back into a race car at some point, we think. And for Sergio, struggled mightily through some parts of last season and then the development of that RB18 really started to go away from him and started to favor obviously Max more but coming into this season I don't know how you see this but I kind of look at this like this is a car that's been built for Max but Sergio actually 
has done pretty well here. Yeah, I he said so post race he said he was so much more confident so much happier with the rb19 last year you're right i mean the rb18 got away from him i think uh i don't think it's completely designed around max i would say i mean it was weird in the in the in the preseason testing max said well, i don't have a driving style i just adapt to the car which i which was interesting to hear now i don't know if it's completely true if that's just him trying to annoy Perez a little bit. But it looks like both of them have had a good hand on development. It looks like a car that's also quite malleable and they can just use it wherever. You know, it's plug and play, um, which is really terrifying to their rivals. And it looks like Perez is just so much happier. Let's see how that goes, though. Moving on to uh, Mercedes, Lewis Hamilton finishing fifth, George Russell seventh. Uh, you had Lance Stroll splitting the two of them. Um for Mercedes, I mean, after Saturday, uh, you know, t- Total Wolf pretty much uh, pull- pulling the plug on this one, eh? <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, even their social media is in mourning mode. Have you seen, like, there's just full stop, no exclamation marks, no no smiling emojis. They genuinely seem annoyed. Uh, mm. It's bad down there. Um, it's weird to see a team that has won so many championships. But, you know, in F1, dynasties always topple and someone else always comes in. I wonder if they can turn it around. Uh, it it would take a lot, right? Like, we have you have to think about the car design it, itself. I mean, you're literally talking about changing full car philosophy. And, you know, I'm not... I'm not too sure how that you know that can't be done quickly, right? It just can't. Like you're, they've tried to go in a direction that wasn't s- that similar to what everybody else was doing. So Red Bull, Aston Martin, um, Ferrari. Ferraris is more of a, I guess it was, their their era philosophy is a little bit different, where they kind of run. Um, you know, they, they, they kind of run more of a, I want to say an in-wash almost era philosophy. But that being said, um, it it's shocking to see just how far off the pace, you know, they still are. It's been over a year with this car, and they're still essentially, well, performance-wise, it appears they're still in the same spot smart and yeah it's true did we mention stroll by the way i just want to go back to him Heroic, we'll get there okay right? sure we can you can you can mention stroll now if you want the only reason i know i know you love that but the reason <laughs> i'm saying that is that the mercedes was split by stroll there so to have russell struggle for pace against an aston martin was just weird plain weird at times russell looked really fast in the first stint i thought he looked faster than hamilton and then he just fell back and back and back it was really weird to see um, there must be a reason Mercedes are chasing that philosophy, though, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you if you're committing this hard, you've seen something in the wind tunnel or on CFD or whatever to say, no, we should continue with this, not change the concept. They are bringing new side pods to the car sometime soon, they say. But I wonder if that really changes that much, what that means. It, it, because, you know, they can't necessarily just go and copy what, what everybody else is doing, you know, like what, like I previously had mentioned with Red Bull and Ferrari and Aston Martin, yeah. 
Because that would just require a whole sort of almost rebuild, I think. It, it would kind of have to because you're talking about Arrow. And with Arrow, it starts with your front wing and then it kind of works its way back throughout the race car itself. So you're having to redesign or rebuild an entire race car. And it doesn't make sense because they have to... I'm assuming they're going to have to move forward with what they've got now. Not unless... They've been building, you know, something else back at the factory that they just haven't really revealed just yet. It would have to be really good for them to be this quiet about it, this yeah. coy. Um, but they are going to change the car. I just, I wonder how different it's going to be. And you can't, and you're right, the budget cap is $135 million or something. You cannot build a whole new car during a season. with it. If they manage it, fair play to mm. I'd love mm -hmm. to see them try, yeah. Mm-hmm. Because you remember when they showed up to Spanish, uh, sorry, to Barcelona for uh, preseason testing. You know, they had one car philosophy then, and then by the time we got to Bahrain, which was a, I think it was like a week later, or there was a week in between, and then we had, and then we had Bahrain testing last season, and then they pulled the covers off of that one, and then that's where the zero side pod, you know, design yeah, was came into it. play. And it, Red Bull the, also changed as well. Yes. That year, yeah, yeah. See. And that, that's why I'm curious to know if, if that is possible, if that big of a change is possible, or if that, or if it just is, is just too far gone them now, you know, it's like, it's, it's gone, like, it's not, it's gone, it's not coming back, and it's, this is something they're going to have to chip away at through the entire season. It's definitely possible. It's definitely possible. Mike Elliott said that it will look different. He said very different and then corrected himself and said, no, no, it'll look different. <laughs> and, uh... I can't wait to see it. But the problem is, as you said, you change one part, you've got to change all the other parts sometime. So, you know. But they I are wonder an amazing how... team. I... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, obviously, they're... Mercedes is an incredible team, and they can pretty much do anything if they put their minds to it. But, I mean, I wonder, like, how much pressure do you think Mike Elliott's under? Like, <laughs> uh, I wonder Poor what the, the camp's like. Toto <laughs> Wolf was furious. Uh, I mean, I've seen him like that. We've all seen him like that. But, yeah. whoa. God, I yeah. would not want to be there right now. But still, you know, championship winning team. They've got to be able to do something. Uh, so Lance, coming home sixth, obviously. Uh, so got some uh, broken bones uh, falling off his bike. So I I think this is pretty remarkable. I don't um, – I still think his pole position in Turkey was, was, was pretty spectacular, but I would put this up, up there with all the other performances – uh, that he's had in Formula One uh, in terms of um, success, so podiums and pole position, uh, front row start as well. Um, what, what, what do you think? What, what, what do you think about that? Because, I, I, like, obviously, I'm from Canada, so you know. But what do you think? Are you, are you saying your Canadian bias is going <laughs> to take over, and you're going to be like, that's better than the podium? I think it was fantastic. It was heroic. You know, it was. He must have been in so much pain. And he did say after the race, it was just pain. Um, incredible stuff. Really incredible. And yeah, I think he deserves a lot more credit than he gets sometimes. I think being the son of a billionaire, you lose some sympathy, right? Here, he's done an amazing job. And could he have got P4 maybe? P5? Yeah, maybe on a different day. But I can't imagine how much pain he went through there. Really horrible. Yeah, I wonder um, 
how much the the VSC affected him, and if he may have been able to chase down Hamilton if if it hadn't been for that, because I think he. Yeah, he was lapping faster than Lewis uh, towards towards the end, but it was only by about three to four tenths. So I'm just thinking, like, if he had maybe three or four more laps, he most likely would have gotten Lewis. And I, you know, obviously that's due to the driving, but also the the way that the car uses the tire and the tire dag. It's it's really good. It's really good like that. But the driver also has to manage all of that at the same time. Um, yeah, he said he had problems uh, with turning in to the hairpin in particular, um, just not having uh, the confidence uh, to do it simply because of all the pain that he was he was having, and he was having even more when trying to you know crank the steering lock on to to get into the hairpin. Um, and he did make mention that the last twenty laps were were pretty painful, and he was just kind of just hanging on. I think he'll probably start to feel better. I mean, it looks like, in hearing from him every day, it's just kind of like, it's sounding like every day is kind of, he's feeling better, and he'll keep feeling better, and so by the time, I think they get to Saudi Arabia, he'll he'll probably, he's not going to be like 100%, obviously, he'll still feel like crap, but I think he'll start feeling better than what he did during the weekend, but yeah, it was pr- pretty impressive for him to, to get into the car, you know, hearing from some of the team personnel, like, it, He's in a lot of pain, like a lot. So I mean, it seems awful, yeah. But like, hey, well done, you know. Man, um, quickly round this out. Valtteri, uh, Valtteri coming home uh, eighth. <laughs> Pretty remarkable for Alfa Romeo. I actually didn't, I actually didn't see this one coming, and I didn't think they were going to be this competitive straight off the hop. Yeah, they look good. Uh, they've done some good work over the winter. Um, he was he was he was really fast, and you know what, Bottas is solid, and it looks like he's enjoying himself. Um, and I just I love this new Bottas Bottas three point <laughs> It's just so good. The mullet, the mustache. Oh, what a guy! And to bring it on eighth, great. Pierre <laughs> uh, Gasly in the uh, the Alpine. I mean, obviously he didn't do <laughs> very well with qualifying, um, yeah. starting dead last, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, got points for his first uh, drive with, with Alpine, so... 11, 11 places up. I mean, that's a great start, right? I mean, can't say no to that. I think he was pretty much on trouble there. He, he looked good. I yeah, wonder. I wonder about Alpine, though. I mean, they haven't yeah. really shown much. They've yeah. been anonymous. Yeah. So let's see. That That's an interesting point that you, you make, because uh, I, I actually I thought that Alpine was kind of going to be that fourth best team. I thought they were going to pick up right where they left off last season, where it was Red Bull, Ferrari, Mercedes, Alpine, McLaren. I, I really thought... I, McLaren, I mean, that's another story. But Alpine, I didn't expect them... I, I expected them to be more competitive than, than what they were this weekend, in all honesty. like It, just, it looked like both drivers um, just struggling to find balance with the car. And yeah. struggling just to to put it together, like it looked like it was difficult to to piece together a full um, push lap for qualifying. And then obviously, I mean, Ocon gets hit with like a hundred seconds of penalties, like unbelievable, I mean, right? <laughs> like, that must be one of the worst weekends you could have. I mean, I, I saw in the NASCAR, I think Noah Gregson had like a. Yeah. Five second penalty add or a penalty added on for speeding in the pit lane while serving another penalty. So it does happen. But in Formula One, there's like a pit limiter. You have all these things. 
arms, you know, teething issues, right? I mean, that's that's got to be it. He's just a bit rusty, a bit out of practice. Oh, that was painful. And I thought yeah. it was a mistake. I thought like the TV had just like shown it again. I was like, oh no, it's just it's fine. He's already had that penalty, and it turned out to be like twenty seconds. And then uh, we'll finish off with uh, Alex Albon. Um, I mean, Williams. I, it's actually pretty surprising. Uh, Logan Sargent actually doing you know very well in his first Grand Prix as well. Um, actually, you can touch on him in a minute. Cause I heard, did hear from him, uh, but that being said, with with Alex, I mean, pretty remarkable stuff uh, from him. And again, for qualifying, Samarth just really he he's fast, man. Like he's a fast driver. He's fast. he's brilliant. And yeah. to yeah to take that point. Williams have made some good moves over the winter. I think they've done really well. James Bowles is a, a solid team principal to have as well, so it's, it's nice to see them make that change. Um, and, yeah, really good opening race for them. Um, if, if you want to touch on Sargent right now, I will, because that is a good debut. 12th, right? Uh, that's solid. Really good. Um, interesting to note, you know, James Valls, you had mentioned there. I mean, he's only been at the team. I think his his first day, I believe, was February February twentieth. So he's only been yeah. there for just a few weeks. So it was interesting to hear from Alex and how he had said that you know James, him being there has been great. He's helped a lot on certain things, but like he's not the full reason why the car is the way it is. You know, right now. And I think a little bit of credit has to go to uh, Dave Robson, you know, like he's because he's the one who had to kind of like stick everything out as soon as, you know, Yost got let go and effects uh, as well. You know, Dave had to kind of take charge of like everything and you have to give them credit. Like car car looks good. I mean, it's not great, but I mean, it's sure a hell of a lot better than last season's car. Yeah, like I mean, that's the main thing. It, it, it's all relative, right? It depends how much of a... I think, was it Albon who said, you know, everyone's giving Aston Martin credit, but look at us. <laughs> yeah. We've jumped up as well. And and that's yep. fair. You know, yep. it's hard to jump off from the bottom. Yep. In some ways, yep. it's even harder because you might have had last year, you might have an absolute mare of a car and you've had to completely change the philosophy and do loads of work. They've done a great job. I hope it continues. I really do. You know, it's Williams. <laughs> Still have their uh, straight line speed. So yeah, last season, that was yeah. Last season, that was one of their strengths, especially in the races. They're very hard to pass in, in a lot of yeah. the races. So once Belgium they were, Monza. it was all about that that qualifying, just making sure that the driver was able to 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 wring the car's neck as as best as possible and put them into a position where they may be able to capture a point or a top position, like you know twelfth or thirteenth, but. I mean, the car looks like it'll be handy when they get to get get to places that have big straight line speed. I, I'm I, I'm interested to see what the upgrades look like for this thing and how big that's going to be. I mean, James Files did say I believe it was I think he might have said it on Saturday. I can't really remember paraphrasing. Obviously, that he wasn't going to really he would he would if he had to not spend so much money on this year's car and focus more on spending more money internally than also on the 2024 car as well, which would be a smart move. I mean, it sounds like the Williams factory could use a bit of refurbishing. Uh, yeah, maybe a bit. <laughs> um, 
but it's a tough it's a tough call to make right like you mm -hmm. don't if you give up the season you're giving up prize money you're giving up a lot really and and you're always there to fight like yeah but they are still in the transitional phase let's not forget that i mean they've got work to do yeah and they still don't have uh full sponsorship on the car either like still yeah, have a lot one. of space to use up yep i hope we see a good old golf livery this season. I mean, you know, wouldn't you love to see like a blue and orange? It'd be so good. <laughs> like the McLaren one at Monaco a couple of years ago. That's the standard bearer now. You know, that's that's <laughs> right? that's the benchmark. Uh, speak. Do, do you want to? Yeah, speaking about McLaren, we'll just go real quick on this because that was hor yeah. hor horrible weekend for them. That that was. I, I can't believe that Lando Norris coming Getting home seventeenth times. Yeah, oh, six man. pit then, stops. That's brutal. And Piastri, uh, electrical issue, I think. I mean, that's a horrible debut as debuts go. You want to do the race distance. You want to get those laps in. It's really crucial for a rookie. Um, so to see him not finish is painful. I think it's going to be a painful year. Yeah, I do. Yeah. I was shocked by the preseason uh, testing pace. And, uh, it, you know, just for them just to admit, you know, coming out before even preseason started, just being like... This is going to be a tough year, or the b b b the beginning of it is going to be difficult. Like, I can't believe just how difficult it's been. Like I didn't expect them to be this like this slow. I didn't expect it to be this bad for them. I really didn't. Yeah, me neither. I mean, uh, there were inklings that they'd be nine out of ten, ten out of ten on pace going into Bahrain, and yeah, they came away without points. It's really painful but then again you know we've seen teams go to bahrain come away with no points and then the next few races they're amazing now i don't think mclaren are gonna have a turnaround like that so quickly i think the second half of the season will be kinder to them but uh yeah that was a brutal debut well sir really appreciate you taking the time to come on to uh nailing the apex a staff writer for formula one smarth canal smart thanks again man uh, you did that without giggling thanks tim you know i really enjoyed that <laughs> thanks man <laughs> Okay, let's move over, talk a little bit of IndyCar. Firestone Grand Prix of St. Pete was on this past weekend. Um, get into this race a little bit more uh, later on in the week, trying to get a, a, a certain guest on to uh, go over the entire race uh, with me. But for the time being, I'll quickly skim through it. I didn't get to see the full race in its entirety. I saw bits and pieces because I was doing stuff with TSN and Sports Center, and then also uh, I had the IndyCar race on beside me at the same time. But Marcus Erickson coming away with the win, uh, qualified fourth. I mean, that's a that's a big win for Marcus, obviously. Indy 500 winner as well. He's won IndyCar races before at the same time. But I think one of the things with, with Marcus is that not a lot of people – feel he either deserves a win or is good enough to win and if we take a look at last season he was great I mean Marcus was in the mix for the championship up until the last race and so to see him start the season off with a victory is I think in my opinion is is awesome that's IndyCar racing right we never know what's what's going to to happen at all at any given time he only led for four laps but those are the four laps that counted so Marcus Erickson is now championship leader and these are things that you know he probably also learns from from uh, Scott Dixon as well as being the the teammate of 
one of the greatest IndyCar drivers of all time and Scott Dixon, you're probably going to learn a lot. Patricio Award finishing second. He had that um, uh, plenum event, they called it, uh, during the the restart there. And Patricio, obviously not entirely happy with what all went down with that. He did explain to us following the race that he has had these plenum events before in the past. And Scott Dixon, who finished third, uh, he too as well also has uh, suffered from them in the past as well. You never know when they're going to happen, and they just sort of um, they just sort of c- come up. Now, I'm not a, a, a an engine expert in sort of this. This realm, I, I believe it has something to do with how much boost is uh, allowed to be generated and sent uh, through the intake plenum and into the uh, combustion chambers as well. So to have a fire of some kind uh, happen uh, within there is actually uh, quite strange. But, hey, good for good for Aero McLaren to start the season off finishing on the Finishing on the podium. This is great for the team. It's good for Patricia Award as well. Scott Dixon coming home third. It's Scott Dixon, man. Like the guy's gonna be okay. And sure enough, he's he's uh he he's right in the mix like always. He qualified ninth. I mean, it just shows you for Scott Dixon to qualify ninth just how um tight this IndyCar field actually is. It's remarkable. I mean, listening to, to IndyCar radio on Saturday, I mean, teams were within hundreds of a second. Drivers were within hundreds of a second of each other during quali. I mean, that just shows a lot of the level of competitiveness within IndyCar. It's actually really impressive. Alexander Rossi, who uh, qualified 12th, uh, finishing 4th. I mean, that's a good finish for, for Alex on a new team. He's got to learn new systems and the way things go. And it's a big transition for, for him to leave Andretti Autosport, and to come over to to, to Aero McLaren, and in there you've got uh, Canadian Gavin Ward running the running the show, and uh, that's a good finish for for that team having Pato and Alex in the top five. Callum Eilat, uh qualified twenty second. He, he started off the weekend pretty rough. I mean, he made no uh, made no bones about it when we when we heard from him on uh, both Friday and Saturday. It was a, it was a tough. Tough weekend for him and for Callum to just uh, keep his nose out of trouble because of all of the massive crashes that were uh, happening in and around him uh, to come home and finish fifth. I mean that's a that's a great result for for Hunkos. It's a great result uh, for Callum as well. And same goes for Graham Rahal, who again um, Graham really struggled with the brakes uh, throughout the weekend. You know the the brake. From my understanding, it's the brake pad uh, that is new to IndyCar for this season. Some of the teams are having issues with it. So for Graham, swapping out um, swapping out those 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 brake pads uh, late in the weekend kind of helped turn things around for him. He was a little more happy <laughs> uh, over the weekend because of it. I know. Practice was a bit of a struggle uh, for Graham. First practice session was, and he wasn't too happy about it. But finishing sixth for um, Ray Hall, Letterman landing in racing is is pretty pretty incredible. As for uh, Will Power, who qualified tenth, finished seventh 
Um, I mean, again, right? Willpower, defending champion. Uh, you just need to kind of stay. You just need to stick it out, right? That's the thing with with IndyCar and trying to win a championship. Um, you just need to to stick it out. Same with Alex Pillow coming home eighth, and then Christian Lundgaard coming home ninth, qualified eleventh, and David Malukas. Uh, w- what more can you say about David? He was a rookie, obviously, last season, but has done a remarkable job uh, down at that team, and there's going to be only great things for him uh, in the future. Re- really impressed with uh, what David's been able to do. Uh, that pretty much does it for, for IndyCar for now. Like I said, I will be back uh, later this week to go over um, more of of the IndyCar race from St. Pete if I can get uh, the guests that I want uh, to come on. But, uh, yeah, we'll have to wait and see. Um, I'll run through Grid Rival real quickly uh, because, obviously, we have the uh, SDPN official Grid Rival pool for 2023. Uh, I'll just run through the top 10. The thing is is that some of these teams are actually tied. Um, So, yeah, we'll have to... We'll just have to go through it. We'll see what happens. But uh, Poop Lord 2022 is uh, leading the way. Um, GP is in second. Astro Race 47th. Set 47 is in third. John John P is in fourth. Jay Smitty is in fifth. Mr. Nipsley? (laughs) I don't even know some of your guys' names are. These are crazy. Is in third. uh, JRSP, or sorry, Mr. Nipsley is in, what is this? One, two, three, four, five, sixth. Uh, JRSP is in seventh. Formula Ina is in eighth. Big deal, 13 is in ninth. And Matt's 18 is in 10th. Uh, Hall in the Mail is down in 159th. Hey, I, I had a pretty solid uh, solid team. I thought they were going to get me more points than uh, what they had. Who I've got? Got Verstappen, Gasly, Alonzo, Hulkenberg. Uh, got Joe, and manufacturer is Aston Martin uh, for my star driver. I had Fernando Alonzo, and it appears he captured about 344 points so big day for fernando okay let's head on over to twitter and take some of your questions uh did put out a tweet uh asking for your questions and you delivered (laughs) with quite a few so i'll do my best to try and uh get to as many as i can this is great uh we'll start with at nate in vegas not really a question for a podcast okay we're off to a good start here but is the race in austin fun thinking of going to my first f1 event there since vegas will be too expensive well nate in vegas uh yes been to uh, i've driven on the track before in the past but um to go to austin for the grand prix weekend it's a it's so much fun. Uh, I've been there twice, and I have to recommend it simply because of uh, the race is always great, and everything that happens off track is a, a load of fun. Plus, Coda does a good job of getting the fans in and out of the circuit. Um, in the past, you know, they used to run school buses with uh, fans, so fans would meet at certain parts of 
Austin, wherever you were staying, there's there's more than one, and the, the buses circulate, and they, they make stops at different places. They pick you up. They take you all the way out to the track, drop you off, and the buses are always running, so it's great. So if you don't want to stay for the whole whole day you can you know go for the practice and then leave or go for the qualifying and then leave you don't have to watch the support um series races which i encourage you to do those drivers need support as well but at the end of the day yeah it's 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 pretty good it's worth your money i've always had fun um going uh at t ludwig photo i watched more f1 but i caught the second half of the indy car race today what exactly is a plenum fire? That's a good question because I am no engine expert. I have been trying to hunt down some folks who may have an answer to this. What I've what I've been able to uh, gather so far, um, plenum fire, or as uh, a journalist had referred to it during our press conference, a plenum event. Uh, is essentially has to do with how much uh, so since these are turbocharged uh engines that indycar runs it has to do with how much boost is allowed to be uh generated and then sent through uh the intake plenum and then into the uh combustion chambers so whatever happens in that process, there must have been some sort of a spark or an ignition that had quickly happened. It was interesting because Scott Dixon actually, uh, he told us that he's had it happen to him as well. And it's it's really, there's nothing you can do to prevent it. And you never know when it's going to happen. Uh, and you can't simply just drive straight through it. So you can't just mash the throttle down and, and keep going. You literally have to come off throttle wait for the engine to quickly reset and then get back on it. So, um, yeah, that that's very unfortunate for for how all of that happened to, to Pato. Um, from Ontario underscore Moms, am I saying that right? I don't even know. Uh, were the new regulations made to improve uh, racing or stop Mercedes? George Russell is saying uh, the championship is over. And Red Bull will win after Bahrain. Uh, what happened at Bahrain 2023? Okay, so regulations were made to improve the racing. Uh, yes, not so much to stop Mercedes. It was more to do with getting the cars closer, more following, uh, and then also the cost cap on top of that, and then the CFD wind tunnel um, testing time as well as trying to get the field to come closer uh, together. I'm not sure George is right in saying that the season is, is over and Red Bull has won everything. This season may be over for him and Mercedes, but uh, I don't think it's necessarily over for Ferrari or Aston Martin, um, who also look quite strong. I mean, Ferrari's qualifying pace was actually reasonably good. It's more along the lines of uh, the racing for them and tire dag. And again, remember, Bahrain is a bit of an outlier in terms of the track. Um, pavement in Bahrain is is very abrasive. So if your car is already not great with tires, chances are you're really going to struggle in Bahrain. But by the time you get to you know the track in Saudi Arabia, it's a little more forgiving. And then same with Australia as well. So the racing is going to change up. The cars will get a little bit closer together. Um, it'll just be 
how quickly can these teams get upgrades to the car to close the gap to, to Red Bull. Uh, from at Tech, yes. I'm assuming I'm saying that correctly, but who knows. What was more impressive, Alonso's third or Lance's sixth with his recent injury? Oh, that's a good one. I mean, I would say Alonso's third isn't very impressive uh, simply for the team itself. I mean, for where the team was last season compared to where they are now is massive that is a massive turnaround uh from a formula one team and i don't ever remember a team making that type of a turnaround uh lance's six is is very impressive considering um just how much pain he was in and what he had to go through and to stay focused when you're uh when you have a, a tremendous amount of pain in a race car it's it's really difficult um from at speed racer 430 was it Bahrain? Does Ferrari have a real problem with the tire window? Uh, I think they do. They were that was supposed to be one of the things that they were working on uh, in the off season. To add in on top of that everything that was going on with their reliability issues that they suffered from last season as well. Uh, but yeah, the, the, the tire dag, it looked very high for them in Bahrain and yeah, it could, could play an issue as we get into the season a little bit deeper. Uh, the SF 23 didn't look happy. Also power unit. Well, it looks like insights. It looks like they have a really strong Ferrari still has a really strong engine. Uh, it looks like they have really good straight line speed. Uh, the reliability have to see what's going on with the, um, with Charles Leclerc's, uh, uh, DNF on Sunday. Uh, Aston Martin handles on rails, breaks like a boat anchor, went out the side pod. Uh, <laughs> Fernando Alonso, Lance Stroll, massive respect. What's the worst injury you drove with, Tim? Question mark. Oh, okay. Um, all right, interesting. So I was in ooh, Formula Renault, um, Birmingham, Alabama. Uh, I got food poisoning and for some reason this is weird the food poisoning led to my immune system doing something really weird i ended up getting like rheumatoid arthritis so my ankles actually like swelled up uh massively uh swelled up they had to try and like drain fluid because it was like literally crushing my bones um, it was extremely painful. I've never had so much pain in my life and I had to qualify and then race. Um, the adrenaline, I couldn't, I could barely get my racing boot on. I could barely get my feet into the foot pedals because they were so swollen. Uh, I mean, it looked pretty funny, I guess, if you saw it, but I was in a, so much pain. I had to be carried to the car. I had to be lifted up. I had to be put in the car. Um, I could get out under my own strength. Uh, so if there was something that had happened, I was able to get out of the car in the required time. Uh, it was, you know, slamming your feet on the pedal because you really got to brake aggressively. Same with, um, same with throttle. When the G-forces are trying to pull your feet off of the pedals, you have to make sure you're, you're holding your foot down on the pedal um, because, you know, when you come off the accelerator, you lose speed and you lose time. So that was really painful. That was the most pain I've ever been, been in. But every time the checkered flag, I saw the checkered flag, I was in an extreme amount of pain. The adrenaline is the only thing that sort of helped me get through all of it. Painkillers did nothing. Ibuprofen, you name it, took it all, did absolutely uh, nothing. So yes, that was um, very, 
very painful. Uh, from Penn's underscore city, based on how Lando was driving and how even despite the challenges he was keeping up with Aston Martin, I don't necessarily think so. And Ferrari, do you think that if McLaren or at least Lando are able to avoid any disruptions like those today they have a possibility of ending in fourth fifth or even sixth at the end look it looks bad for mclaren okay i'll tell you that right now and where they finished on sunday i think it's going to be like that for a little bit longer uh at least until they get some upgrades to the mclaren and then we'll see i mean the midfield thing with the midfield is is that it looks like it's quite competitive so even though yes they're finishing or you know they're they're well off the pace it doesn't necessarily mean that they won't be back on the pace in about three to four races time when they start bringing more upgrades to the car uh lance r nicholson after watching lance stroll got it out this weekend should we start putting some respect next to his name uh yes uh, with this being Max's, this is from at Mish310, with this being Max's second year not using number 33 technically next season, is it uh, is it open for anyone to use, or since number one is a temporary number, does 33 get saved? Well, this happened like years ago when the drivers had to give their numbers over um, and, and choose on which numbers they wanted to run for their sort of F1 sort of careers. Um, Verstappen chose 33. I'm assuming it's going to get saved. I wouldn't see why it wouldn't if that's the number that he has chosen. He is just running number one until somebody else comes along and uh, takes the championship away from him and wants to run uh, number one, and he'll revert back to 33. Uh, from at Pangborn1989, why no street sweepers at St. Pete to clean up the marbles during the yellow flags? I'm not too sure. That is actually a great question, uh, and I would like to know that answer as well because the marble pickup that was on the side of the track for this race weekend was uh, unbelievable. I'm not sure if some of that has to do with the uh, Waiuli tire or, or or what, or the reds were really just shedding. It, it, was, it was pretty crazy, though. Uh, from at no underscore underscore name underscore account. Okay. Do you think the Aston Martin is fully legal? They are an aggressive bunch. Yes, they are an aggressive bunch. Um, is it fully legal? I mean, yes, I think so. We would have heard uh, rumblings from the teams if it if it wasn't. Anyways, thanks very much, everyone, for listening to Nailing the Apex. I'm Tim Haraney. If you want more from me, you can get me on social media at uh, Tim Haraney. And thanks very much, everyone, for listening. We'll talk to you all later.